don't think you've really heard before. So, you know, I'll just say this right from the very, very beginning, is that we need to get to the heart of this. And, 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 and this, this question, these questions, really. I mean, why did Jesus come? Why did he die? What was going on when he was dying, and, and, and how, how is, is, is it that his death is our complete release? And, and more than a release, it's a recreation that we now or are no longer what we were. And, and what does the expression then mean in Christ? In Christ. So we're going to cover a lot of territory tonight. So like I said, settle back, get ready, get your notes out. You might want to write a few things down that aren't there because I didn't put a whole lot of notes in your sheets. But what we're talking about is is obviously very basic, but there is a need to clarify in my book because we have we've been blinded by a lot of stuff. You know what I'm saying? So in Luke chapter 23, and you know, almost kind of <laughs> feel like I don't even have to tell you uh, what what to turn in your scripture or take a look at it because you know it so well. But in Luke chapter 20, it's one of the most well-known sayings of Jesus on the cross. In Luke 23 and in verse 34, Jesus was saying, and, and notice this, it says, but Jesus was what? It doesn't say that Jesus said. This is big. It doesn't say that Jesus said. It says that he was saying. It's, which is the best way that we have of translating the words there from the original language, which means literally that he was saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it and saying it. I know we place this amongst the sayings of Jesus on the cross that we call the seven times or the seven words that he spoke. But I'm sorry. Just by taking a look at what this says and understanding it's not true because he was saying this the entire time. And, and, and so, so other things he said, and boom, that, that was done. But this one, at every step of the crucifixion and the torturing that he was going through, he said these words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And then up against it, it says that they cast lots, dividing his garments among them. So here, here's the moment, okay? Or, or shall I say that the phrase that absolutely changes history of mankind while he is saying it. He's saying it, he's saying it, the, the, the soldiers are, are throwing dice like it's Las Vegas, you know what I mean? Who's going to get the coat? Who's going to get the, the loin? But, but Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. What does that mean? I mean, literally, right at the center, and I'm just going to go through the verse, you know, bit by bit and, and, and see what it's saying at the center. So right at the center of that verse is this word forgive. And again, this is right in the heart of this text. 
Jesus is saying, forgive them. And quite honestly, that word in English, the word forgive does not really cover or convey what the original language says. Now, when I say this, it, it you know, forgive, it doesn't, it doesn't mean that it's a, a, a bad word or a wrong word. It's, it's, it's better than nothing. <laughs> but if you really want to feel what this word is saying, then we need to get to the heart of it. The trouble with our English word, forgive, is that it brings a whole lot of baggage with it. There's a lot of ideas hanging on the word forgive. I mean, if you think about it, when you say the word forgive, it means that something has happened between you and another person and that something or someone has offended. It, it, it's, it's hurt you and your response has been hurt. It shows that you've been hurt and, and, and so there's, there's energy of repelling the person away from you. You, you hurt me, and that goes on into sometimes anger. And I, I'm, I'm mad with them, and, and they hurt me, and I, I have a settled anger, and, and that's my attitude toward them. It, it's birthed out of the anger and has the potential anyways for something we call revenge. My first feeling is I am angry and I'm going to get even with you. And even the law says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You knocked out my tooth, and the law says I can knock out your tooth. I'm going to get revenge. It might sound funny, but, you know, without any teeth. But I'm going to get re- I'm going to get or, or, or make matters right is the mentality. And the least I will do is cut you off. I will say I just, I mean, no, no, okay? I'm not going to invite you to my parties anymore. I don't really want you around. Separation. Separation is there. And I know it's not in the word, but I, 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 I really it is. It's saying something has happened to produce this, and, and then forgiveness means in me that uh, which has been offended, I guess is a good way of putting it, there's a change of mind. For whatever reason, okay, in forgiveness, then I change my mind, and I come to you and I say, I forgive you, meaning I've changed my mind. I feel differently about you now. And there's no more separation, and I accept you back into my circle. It may be that, you know, that you, the other person, intervened to make that happen by coming to me and saying, I'm sorry, I did it, I changed my ways, I I retract it. And, And so I now make a response to you and say, okay. When, when I come to the word that is used here and consistently used throughout the New Testament, most of the time the word forgive, sometimes the word forgive is translated from another word which just simply means the graciousness of God. The, the, that's just the way he is. And he just wipes the slate clean. Hallelujah. But this one, this one, 
is a major word. It means I release you. Okay? I release. That's the most basic. It's connected to the word liberty. I set you at liberty. It's, it's freedom. It's to bring someone out of a restricted place like a prison. It's 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 it let it's it's to let you go, it's to let you go free, and I'm the one taking the initiative and doing that. I come and I set you free. That's the word forgive here. It's also used to describe dismissing a crowd of people. So when Jesus fed, for example, the five thousand, and then the crowds went away, that word they were dismissed. That's the same word there for forgiven. I mean, of, of, of course, that's not what, but, but that's what the word means. It means go, disperse. And when they're gone, there's no one to be seen. They're all gone. That's the word. That's the idea. That's the picture. It was used when a ship left the harbor, and you're watching it, you know, and as it's going further and further away, the ship's getting smaller and smaller and smaller on the horizon until it's completely gone over the horizon and you can't see it anymore. It's, it's not there. They, they use this word when it's gone. It's dismissed. It's gone over the horizon. They're, they're not here anymore. That's the word. It was used to describe a divorce. It meant that the bond of marriage has been broken and they are gone and there's no more bond between them. They've each gone their own way. That's this word. It was used when, when a bill's been paid. You, you know what I mean? And, and there's no more irritating letters coming to your house called, you know, statements, and there's nobody knocking at your door. It's over. And you will never have to deal with that again. That's the idea. It, and so I'm saying, if you have a picture of what this word means, understand it's got nothing to do with somebody being upset. It's got nothing to do with somebody having to adjust their feelings and change their mind. It means I plunge into your life and release you, and whatever was holding you is now gone, as surely as the ship has gone over the horizon. That's the idea. So grab that. This brings me face to face with something. I've got good news, and, and I mean that. That's, that's what the meaning of the word gospel is, the, the, the goodest news that you've ever heard, right? The good news is this, that God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit has never been angry with you. Can you let that sink in for a second? What does that go against a lot of stuff that you've been taught, huh? That you've been told, that you've been, that you, I, I want, don't, give me a minute there, don't get all upset while I use Deacon Higgins. No, no, no. To a lot of people that, you know, that is so shocking that, that, you know, that they totally dismiss it, but it's the truth. God has never been angry with you. That is something that has been imp into script into the Bible. God has not been angry with you, and that means he's never been 
repulsed by our actions. Even though you might have been told how, how disgusted he is with you and what you're doing and how he... There's, there's a passage, and I'm not going to tell you where it's at, but you're going to have to read. Uh, I, I'm thinking about doing a series on this, this little book anyways of Habakkuk. There's an entire conversation between Habakkuk and the Lord, and Habakkuk is shocked. I mean, he's a really good prophet, and, and, and he is shocked at what God is doing. He seems to be on, on the other side, the side of the enemy, the, and, and he comes to God and he says, well, well, what's going on? We know who you are, God. You are so holy that you cannot look on evil. What are you doing playing footies with the enemy? Yeah, I mean, you're too holy to look at sin. And the Lord says, well, take another look. I am. So I am working in their lives. I'm not so holy as to not look on sin. Well, there's an entire edifice of what people believe based on that half of a sentence that was spoken by Habakkuk that was contradicted by God. We say he's too holy to look at sin. God the Father winks at me and says, really? Really? God is not so holy that he, does, that, that, he, that he doesn't look on sin. Holiness, holiness is the passion of his love. Okay, let's... Let's just get that straight. Holiness is the passion of his love. Jesus came, God from God, dwells among us, and not only looked on sin, but embraced sinners and told them that they were forgiven. So this text brings it right to our faces. This is not God changing his mind about us. This is not Jesus doing something so horrific that the father finally says, okay, okay, I forgive them. No, please understand me. This is God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in a glorious conspiracy of love saying, we release you. We've come into your darkness to break your chains and set you at liberty that you might come and know our love that we've always had for you, even though you didn't see it. That's the good news. I, I was raised to think, you know, mankind sin and the rage of God like a dragon that comes against the human race. <laughs> then one day I read the Bible. Novel idea, right? I found out that's not true at all. That one man sinned. He went into this insane mode of, of hiding when he did. And they both hid behind something called fig leaves, right? Terrified of each other. And, and as a result, what has happened to them, then, then they're hiding from God. The God that has put them in Eden and given them everything they'll need now that they're hiding from him in the bushes. Okay, now 
seeing according to what they they taught me god is separating himself from us he he can't he, you know he can't block us in that, that that's weird because the bible says god came looking for adam god didn't separate himself from mankind adam separated himself from god but god wouldn't recognize the separation and he came looking for Adam, and, and he comes, and, and there's a, a beautiful gentleness about this, friends. He comes and he says, Adam, wh where are you? What have you done? <laughs> What's going on? And Adam says what? I was afraid. Afraid. That word has never been in the human language of humans before. He must have made that up right on the spot. Fear. To try and describe this, this terror that, that he, he has, I mean, why are you afraid? Because I realized I was naked. And, and I love what God says. He says, who told you you were naked? God says, I, I didn't tell you that. I don't see you like that. <laughs> Realize that you're dealing with a very different picture here. And so now when it all comes out, and, and, and Adam's is, <laughs> Adam's no, by no means uh, uh, God's man of faith, right? God said, what did you do? And he says, she made me do it. It's not my fault. So what about you, Eve? I didn't do it. It was the snake, that devil made me do it. Those are the first words. So what is God's response to that? Because it's supposed to be, well, he'll reject us and throw us away. No. He says, well, I've got wonderful news for you. We've already got this worked out. And Eve it will be the seed of the woman, and he will crush the head of the serpent. I promise, specifically, not only to the entire human race, which was Adam and Eve, but also to the one that is going to be put down. Understand, and, and my point is very simply, he didn't separate from Adam. Adam he kept on running as fast as he could. But God says, I will never leave you. I will never let you go. I will never abandon you. Forgive, forgive. And, and so Jesus comes and he announces this word, forgive. And, and again, remember, it means the relief. It's dismissed so you can enjoy the love of the Father. He addresses the Father. Have you noticed that in these words? He says, Father. Trust me, we could spend the whole night on just that itself. But, but, but Jesus, as he's saying this, he's saying this while they're putting the nails through his hands. He's hanging on the cross. He's in the middle of this. Beyond words, he's suffering, 
And at that point, there is a conversation going on within the Holy Trinity. The Father has not turned his back on Jesus. Not at all. He is there. He is part of what's going on. And Jesus, Son of God, addresses the Father. His Father. And then within the Holy Trinity, there is, there is that mutual desire. I call it that. So, so Jesus said, if you've seen me, what? You have seen the Father. Remember that? Remember what he said? He said, I only say what the Father says. So do you get the idea? This wasn't Jesus' idea being presented to the Father. This is Father and Son having conversation about what the plan and the purpose has always been and now is. So he says, Father, you know this. Forgive them. Release them. Dismiss away from them. Let it flow away from them. All that has been this, this horrendousness. Father, mutual desire. So the Father wills along with the will of the Son and the will of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Trinity is focused upon each one of us to say, release. This fits in with what is often not spoken about, but, but it's the most amazing thing. In the sufferings of Jesus, he was included in the Trinity. Because I hear sometimes as if, you know, there, there was Judas, this betrayer, and led the armies to that secret place where Jesus was, and, 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 and this mugging that takes place. They grabbed him and they took him. That, that's not the case. We've gone over this. I mean, before chapter 13 in, in John, do you remember that Jesus said that no man takes my life? No man, you know, easily lays down his life, which is kind of cryptic in light of, of what he did until you look at what really happened in John 13. Jesus said later, knowing that he had come from the Father and that he was going to God in chapter 16, that now the Father has delivered all things into his hands. He delivered all things, get that, into his hands. He says, you're in control here. You just go and do what we've planned. And then it says, having loved, he loved us. And he loved us to the end. Remember that? And the word end there means to terminate. To the fulfillment. It's the same word that Jesus used on the cross when he said, it is finished. It meant the plan has been fulfilled. We have achieved our goal. It is everything we said we wanted to do, and it's done. So having loved us, he said he loved us until the goal had been reached. He never quit until he had achieved what he came to do, which is what he says here. 
It is to release you and set and, and, and that you are free. So you're basically saying, I'm not quitting. No. It's the same word idea as when the shepherd goes into the wilderness to find the sheep. And he says, he goes until he finds it. He's saying, basically, you won't see that shepherd again, again until he, he's got a sheep wrapped or, around his neck. Jesus said, I'm going in and I won't come out until you are totally released. Ah. That was the precept. Then he, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. It says they, they came. That means <laughs> Judas, of course. He, he'd be leading the way, but it's obvious. You've got the Romans, which is the Roman army of occupation at that time. And you can, then you've got the temple and, and Ananias and Caiaphas and the Sadducees. They, they were terrified of Jesus. I'll be, I'll be right up there with you. They, they really didn't know if they were going to be able to pull this off. They didn't know what you know, he, he might do. And, 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 and here's Judas, right? And he must have been, I can imagine, pretty uptight. <laughs> it says a great multitude. I love that. You've got with shields and spears. Ready. They're, they're ready for warfare. And they're following Judas in. But then the temple... The temple had its own police, sort of like a National Guard thing, if you want to take a look at it that way. And they carried their ammunition. Well, the temple guards, okay, the Roman guards, all to arrest Jesus, who didn't even carry a knife. Think about it. They all had their torches, you know, and you can see them flickering in the night. Uh, and, and, and they're bouncing off the trees as they come and they try. I mean, really, you've got... Thousands of soldiers here, guards here, and, 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 and they're coming through with all these lights and torches and twigs snapping, the leaves rolling, and, 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 and you're not going to keep these guys quiet. You're going to hear them coming. And what does Jesus do? He steps forward. You talk about being in control. Jesus steps forward and he said, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus, the one from Nazareth. And you remember this. Jesus said, I am, which is the name of God. And thousands of men and all the temple people and Judas, the whole lot of them, fell on their backs. Their, their swords were flying in the air. and they, 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 I, I, I like to think of them laying there like dead stink bugs on their back. I would say it's over, right? You look kind of silly now. I mean, you've got thousands of temple and Roman soldiers all laying there with their legs dangling in the air. Jesus helps them up, and he holds out his hands. And they have the audacity to, to, to arrest him. He's already established that they're not in control here. No man takes my life. I give myself to you. And that is very, very important. He gives himself. He is not a person who is in, in the mode of, of reacting. Okay? He's, he's in control the entire time, and therefore, he's acting. Well, what he does, 
is his action, his, his choice. No one's making him do it. He, he, he stood before Pilate. Remember that? I, I mean, Pilate said, for goodness sakes, man, speak up. Say something to me. He said, I have power to release you. I have power to crucify you. Don't talk to me. And, and, and that's one of the only times that Jesus did speak. He says, you know, Pilate, you have the power. Rome, they, they had the power of the world at that time. And Jesus says, you have the power. You can't do anything to me unless it's being worked out between me and my father. And I mean, it just deflates me. He says essentially that I'm, I'm, I may be standing before you looking like I do, <laughs> but I'm in control here. He's saying, do your worst. I will take the worst and turn it around to be your salvation. He gave himself and, and says, Father, <laughs> forgive them. Who's them? Well, it's got to be the soldiers, right? They weren't just soldiers. They understand that these guys that, that nail them to the cross, they were crucifixed. They were the crucifixion battalion. They were chosen because they're actually perverts. They absolutely loved, reveled in giving another person pain. They were trained literally in cruelty. They knew exactly where to put the nail so that it would send screaming pain up your arms and all the way through your nerves. They were experts in pain and torture. Them. Hmm. But it's not only them, it's their commanders who are standing over them, watching to make sure that everything is done. Yeah, but it's also Pilate, because Pilate is over this. So Pilate's part of them. And, 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 I mean, who set Pilate up for this? It was the high priest. It was the worst day when the temple and, and the worst enemies, the, the, the military of Rome, when, when, when they shook hands and they said, we got something in common here. I, I mean, Annas is part, Ananias is part of them. And then Herod, because he was nothing more than a, well, I'll just say drunken, crazy man who just wanted a show. That's, that's really what I, and what about the crowd? What about the crowd who cried, crucify him? What about all those who didn't say anything? What about the disciples who ran like frightened rabbits? Peter, who denied him. John, who just sat there right under the nose of Ananias and, and kept his mouth shut. Whether it's the Pharisees, Sadducees, or the soldiers, you keep on going, keep on going, keep on going, you end up with one great organic movement. That's why we say we were all there. His, I mean, his voice, you, you could say it echoed all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Father, release them. They don't know what they're doing. Them. Forgive them. What what were them saying? I mean, what are they really doing? Why? They were saying, Pilate did it. 
shut him up. We don't want to hear him anymore. Put him out of your sight. We're, we're done with that. If we ever, <laughs> I mean, they've evaluated, let me try that word again. They evaluated him as worthless. That's the meaning of crucifixion. If you are a Roman citizen, you could not be crucified. You had to be a worthless, nobody, scum, homeless, no connection. Then they could crucify him. So they looked at Jesus and the Jewish people. They said, if anyone hangs on a tree, remember, their corpse hangs on a tree. They are cursed of God. So they said, we must have him crucified. It's no good just doing a mugging in the night kind of thing. We got to have him publicly crucified so we can all say he's cursed of God while the Romans are saying he's a worth nobody. That's what they said. They're all mocking as they crucified him. That they come by the cross and they and they mock him. He's a fraud. If he was the Messiah, he would come down from the cross. That's them. And, and I hear Satan's voice in the background saying, <laughs> I told you so. I could have given you every kingdom in the world in all its glory. This is what you chose. By the time they had finished lash, lashing Jesus, and, and I won't get into all the details, but it sure didn't stick to the 39 lashes that his entire body from back to the front was nothing but open space. You could, you could see the bones. You could see his organs. It was nothing but all blood. And when we say the blood of Jesus shed, it's like we're saying it was Sometimes we try to paint the picture like it's a, a little new puddle of blood. No. Understand, he became blood. Became blood. And then, of course, th they put thorns on his head. And, and the thorns were about yay big. I mean, they weren't little rose thorns. They, they were huge thorns. And you know, if you, any of you have ever gotten a cut on your forehead, it just bleeds profusely. They jammed that crown of thorns into his head so that the whole face is nothing but blood. They, they look at that man and what do they see? They see blood. And that's the only way we can look at it. To say we by his stripes, we are healed, it's, it's, it's more like saying by the bruise of his entire body is the healing. He's beaten into a bloody pulp. And of course, this was nothing new to the Romans, okay? And, and as I said, they, they enjoyed it. That was their business. Every person they crucified, which would be thousands, that was the Roman way. I, I mean... Crucifixion 
And the whole world, whenever you mention the term crucifixion, the whole world trembled at the power of Rome because of crucifixion. So these guys had crucified thousands and thousands times over. Every hit of the hammer, every lash they, they, that they put, they, they heard the curses of those people, the screams and the screams of rage that was coming out of them. They heard it again and again and again, calling on whatever God they worshipped and, and say, you're damned to hell. I mean, just screaming out curses. Mm. And the sad thing is, to the soldiers, <laughs> that was part of the fun for them to see how much screaming they could get out of these people. But every scream was a curse. Every scream, it was an empty threat to say, my God will damn you. Can you imagine? I mean, think about this. This time, they look at this body that is blood, covered, exposed, totally ripped apart, unrecognizable. And out from the blood does not come revenge. It is not a curse. Out from what they have just done to him comes, Father, release them, for they know not what they do. Think about that in for a second. This is just one little verse in the Bible. It's, it's just one sentence. Hold it. Because he said it again and again and again. He can hardly talk. Realize what they've done, really. He's already in shock. And once they got him on the cross, if you put your hands up and, and, and then you let your whole body hang on, on that and you try and talk, you had to push your body up, your, your back, which is lashed. I mean, your whole is just just open. It's the organs and the bones that are being scraped on that rough wood, and that's in order to talk. So he pulls himself up and says, Father, conversation with Father. The same will and desire and passion. He's saying it because Father's saying it. It's in Father, and it's in him. Forgive them. Release them. I, I don't know. I mean, this to me is it's totally unearthly. They have never, talking about the crucifixion battalion, they have never heard anything like this before. Never. Being cursed is, is their business. <laughs> we love it. Now they face what they've never seen before. They've, they've never imagined. They, they, I mean, how do you report something like this? What's going on here? Father, forgive. I, I mean, compassion? He's thinking of his persecutors more than himself. Grab that. 
than himself. Father, forgive them. That is, he loves them to the end. He says, I'm not quitting until this is clear. He takes what they give, and he doesn't say a word. That's that's crazy to me. I mean, he didn't say a word. Whatever I expect, a flash of rage to come out, or, 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 or come on, man, I mean, you're God, and you're going to put up with this stuff? Aren't you going to let them know who you are? Instead, he takes it. When he's already proved that he doesn't have to, back in the garden when he said, I am, he takes it. He takes it, and he's taking it, and he says, forgive them. Can, can, can we get it forever straight? Seriously. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, our God revealed in the face of Jesus Christ is not interested in punishing them. Oh, hello, somebody. So, somebody needs to hear this. We, we, I mean, get, we need to get it straight. For every blow of the hammer, for every lash of the whip, he says, Father, forgive them. He's not interested in getting even. I, I can remember getting, being told things like, well, his majesty has been offended. <laughs> Poor old God is upset. And, you know, he's, he's sitting up there biting on his nails, worried about everything. He's probably not going to talk to you again. He's rejected you. He's abandoned you. He's too holy to look at you. Until he can do to Jesus what he'd love to do to you. So they believe that all this was, was God punishing Jesus. He hangs there on the cross. Please get this. This is the, the beautifulness of God. I mean, really, this is the glory of this. This is the, that as they are in the act of sinning against him, boom, boom, he is responding with everything they do, forgiving, 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 and including, including the Father in what he's saying. That's, you know, how, how do I say this? When, when I talk about the fact that Father God not interested in punishment, because that's the self-centeredness of, of human, okay? That, that demands punishment. It demands punishment. Revenge. Do you realize revenge is not born of God? It's born of a lie. The, the cry of the Holy Trinity is to give, give me my children back. Release them to me. Release. That's the cry of God. And, and really, isn't that a, a character among the best of human that if your child is lost, if it's in the clutches of a kidnapper, I mean, really, what, what is what is justice? Oh, we're going to catch the kidnapper. I don't care if you catch the kidnapper or not. If you give me my child back, 
God was satisfied. Sin was punished. <laughs> what a poor... Just this God, this, this God, please, okay? God was satisfied that sin was punished. That's a sick God, okay? I, I'm saying, understand that he's revealed in Jesus that he's never satisfied till he has you in his arms. You're the lost one. And he's saying, you're precious to me. I will not rest until I find you. I'm coming in to get you. Every one of them, from the soldiers on down, the best, they did not ask to be forgiven. It's the last thing on their mind. No interest in this. He initiated it. He says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. They don't. They don't even know they're bound in the darkness and they need release. And that's true of all of us, isn't it? You don't know you were bound until after you're released. It's a lot like not knowing you were asleep until you woke up found out everything you missed. I did that last night on the TV show. It's interesting how we have people say the sinner's prayer. And I, I totally understand it. You know that. But the sinner's prayer is not in the Bible, is it? No, it, it came about, if I give you history on it, it, it was in the times of Moody. And Moody kind of was. But, but we can... And we do sometimes, I mean, we give the air that we have to be sorry for them. And we think that the Father and the Son are sitting there, biting their fingers, saying, I hope they believe, I hope they believe, because otherwise the whole thing is lost, it's shot. So he, he didn't, you know, in our mind, what we're taking a look at, and what we're really saying is he, he didn't do much, really. He just got the thing started is what he did. It's you, right? It's you that saves yourself because you have to have enough faith, right? And, and you have to be sorry enough in, instead of, of, of this which, which leaves that while they're in the act of sin, the soldiers, the Pharisees, why they do not even know that they are bound and in need of being released. He takes the initiative. And he, through <laughs> bloodied lips and the screams of that awful place where others are being crucified, through those lips, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. No ifs, no maybes, no perhaps. God and Jesus Christ, in perfect union with the Father, says, forgive, release, because they do not know what they do. 
I just thought he was going to say, forgive them because they just put a nail in my hand. He doesn't even bother with the specifics. He doesn't bother with everything that they said. He doesn't bother with everything that they did. He goes beyond that. Father, forgive them. In fact, he uses what, what the word, I mean, actually means. Again, release them. Release them for what? Release them from not knowing what they're doing because what they're doing, they, they wouldn't be doing if they were cognizant. So release them, not from a long list, of, a laundry list of, of, of the bad things I've done. Oh, I've done all these awful things. No. The real question, why did you do that? And until you handle that, you're just going to be out there next week doing it all over again. All our sins spew out of an inner corruption, condition, that the Bible calls darkness. And so he says, they don't know. They, they, they don't see. Father, release them from the darkness. This is, this is so intense. The darkness that the Bible speaks of, it's the very essence of what sin, separation, condition is producing. It's so intense that what they were doing, they actually believed was right. You'd have to get this. They, they didn't set out to say, well, let's do something this morning that's insane. Ha <laughs> ha. No, do you remember what Ananias and, and Caiaphas said? I mean, if you go back in John chapter 11 and verse 50, they said it's better for this man to die for the people and that the whole nation not perish. Now, you need to read what comes before that and comes after that because he said it for the wrong reasons, but he said he believed it was right and said this is a good religious Political decision. I mean, the man was sincere. In that dark, in dark, in the darkness, you are sincere over the dumbest, most insane things. They believed it was good. Pilate believed he had to crucify Jesus to keep the Jews quiet, and that was his job. And also. He said he was a king, and, and, and that's a threat to Caesar. And Caesar certainly believed that it was good, you know, and, and it was a wonderful idea. And the other people believed it, the, all the others, because it was a good idea, because they were told that it was a good idea for the good of the temple, for the good of God. They worshiped the good of Rome. But it's profound darkness. It's terrifying. And that darkness, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what I'm capable of. It's so dark, I don't know what's going to come out of the pit next. Is what I, Look, we've lost ourselves in the darkness. We don't know who we are. And of course, in the darkness, we invent our God and the way he does things. If you can't see the real one, well, then you invent one that fits. So this question, what does Jesus mean, release them? They know not what they do. How are they going to be released? I mean, something's got to be done. They can't just walk. 
please understand me. God does not need to punish someone in order to say you are forgiven. He just loves you, so he releases you. But how does that release take place? God himself must come and release us. We cannot release ourselves because the darkness involves what we think are the best things that we can do. And truthfully, we don't even see the need of being released. Let me put it this way. You'll never understand what Jesus did when he came until you know who Jesus was before he came. So many people think that the gospel begins with the Adam's sin, right? Thereby Jesus had to come, so therefore everything revolves around sin. I don't believe that. No, no, no. There, I've made my confession to you. You know, I've, I've had so many tell me that I don't believe in God. And, and you know, if you want to have fun, just turn around and say, neither do I. At least not the God you believe in. The trouble is you never knew there was a real God. This didn't all begin with sin. So what happened before that? Let's get really messed up about this and, and, and ask, how did man show up? Why did we show up? Why are we here? Because that is a long time before Adam sinned. You go back and, and, and John in his gospel, I mean, when you get to the others, Matthew and Mark, they start with Jesus being born. John goes back in the beginning. And he describes the Holy Trinity, Father and Son, union, right? The, the, the love binding together, the Holy Spirit revealing the Father and the Son and celebrating love as well as being with one with their love. In the beginning. But then if you pull into that, for example, Colossians chapter 1, as well as John chapter 1, you have a double thing in, in him. And, and Jesus... In the beginning, in him, all things were made. There was not anything made that was made that was not made by him. Colossians says he created all things, all things visible, all things invisible, principalities, powers. He created everything. The creator, but then it says in Colossians, in him, all things consist, which in plain English means he didn't only create it and say, well, there it is. No, rather, he's the one who holds it together. And so when you get to the very pulse of this, you'll find Jesus holding the atoms of everything together. Every, every, hmm. well, every atom of, 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 of my body is glued one to another by the word of Jesus. He's not, he's not just the creator. He upholds it all by the word of his power, which means he has this relationship. It's, it's an inside relationship to every human being by virtue of the fact 
that they wouldn't be here but for the fact of his creating them and he's holding them together. From the beginning, it was the purpose of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit that in that relationship, humankind is born. They were created, their destiny, to be inside of Christ and Christ inside of them so that they actually participated in deity. Oh, that would take me a long time. Thank you, Lord. They would be called, you ready for this? They, those humans would be called the sons of God. And they would know the Father because they were in Christ. That was the plan. So, so love brought up the plan. Love created to bring about the plan. I'm going to say something here, and I hope you really chew on it. Just don't react to it. I hate it when people just react and don't take the time to think through. God who creates is stating he will not be God without you. You are going to participate in his deity because you're inside of Christ, the Son of God. Man has said, <coughs> no thanks. And he believed a lie which had the element of truth. So you declare yourself independent and you shall be as God. Independent, I will not be participating in deity I will be an origin of deity. I will be a God, a God without a God. That's kind of what they fell for. There the result was what descended upon them with this horrific, profound darkness in, in which they could not see the reason they were created. That they couldn't see why they were there. That's why Aunt, my great, 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 great Aunt Susie was uh, an ape. <laughs> a monkey. Adam, remember this. Don't let this one escape you. Adam didn't break a law. He broke a relationship. Sin is not just a list of bad things. It's more like a virus. The New Testament speaks of its corruption. You can call it a virus of death. So, so what does the creator who holds every human together do? He creates you into, into the darkness. He's going to find her. That's the incarnation. God, who holds everything together, now becomes one, a, a human, because he's going to get us. He's going to get you. Love will not let you go. He's the shepherd who will find his sheep. Love gets pretty violent sometimes, friend, and he's coming after us. And that's the story of, of, of the incarnation. It's, it's hard for people to think that Christ, the creator, was in the human race as the creator and upholder of all things. Yeah. I, like, I like to describe things. I mean, think of a tree. 
big tree. A lot of leaves, branches, twigs. But the leaves hanging off the tree. At least it's in the spring and summer it's supposed to be. <clears throat> but think of that tree. Just, just hang, oh, it's huge, big. All these leaves. And, and they're all one. They're all connected. The leaves are connected to the branches. The branches are connected to the limbs. The limbs are connected to the trunk. The trunk is connected to the wood. And what happens anywhere on that tree affects the whole tree. That's the human race. And that sap, in this, it, it's holding the whole thing together. And his name is Jesus. And in him, all things consist. And, and when the tree goes rotten, he comes in. And they thought he was just a little tree. He came unto his own, and his own didn't even know him, nor did want him, because who does he think he is? He talks like he owns the tree. He came into the darkness. He continually facing darkness, the lie, and continually responding with the truth and with life. But how will he get inside the darkness? The only way inside the darkness is that he is going to submit to the darkness. That is why he never spoke. It says he was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep is silent before his shears. So he did not open his mouth. Do you realize that was written 700 plus years before Jesus came. It must be terribly important that he didn't open his mouth. And then Peter said, while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats. Kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously, and therefore he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. What's it say? They said all that to him. All these things. He, he, he didn't say, you're wrong. What he said was, I accept it. And we look at him and say, that must have been crazy. They say, crucify him. Damn him. He's worthy of being crucified. And he doesn't say anything. He doesn't say, no, that's not true. He just says, I'll take that. And as he takes it, he's entering into a new kind of relationship. Not one as creator, but one who is coming inside your darkness. He's saying... I am going to know you at your worst. That's why all my restraints are off. I put myself in your hands. Just do your worst. Because I've got to come into your darkness and know you at your worst. And when I've come into the heart of your darkness and I know my coming has cost me every rip of my flesh, every, every lash of the whip, 
every hit of the hammer. That was the cost of submitting to darkness, to get inside our darkness. And as he is there, he's one mass of blood inside our darkness, knowing us at our worst. He says, I'm here. I'm here right where the whole thing starts. Now follow me. Release where they know what they're doing. Bring it out. That's what the blood of Jesus is all about. Those who were crucified, the the, the blood that was, you know, you don't crucify somebody without that being splattered all over you. And those Roman soldiers, the the, the blood splatters all over them and, 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 and the blood you know, it screamed and cursed them. But this blood is reaching out. This this blood is saying, I love you. And you're released. And this blood is but the cost of getting into your darkness. So now out of this blood, I say, you are released. (laughs) The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world into himself. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanses. The message of that blood comes into every nook and every cranny of the darkness of our soul and says, release, 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 release. This blood embraces you so that you are washed in the blood, and with every embrace of this blood, it says, I love you, I love you, I love you. You cannot do anything bad enough to stop me. Remember, it was said to the people who were the torturers and murderers of God, as well as to us. The finale, he goes into death And by the edict of the Father, and by the light that he is, death dies. Friend, resurrection isn't just that he came out from death. Resurrection means death itself died. And therefore, it means every uh, effect of death is rolled back as if it never was. Where does that take us? Back to in the beginning. Because he who is the one who upholds me as a creator has gotten into my darkness. And he said, released. And now he's inside of me in a very new, glorious way. And now I in him... For me to live is Christ. For Christ to live is me. And where he is, I am. And where I am, he is. And when he rises from the death, he carries me with him. He carries me to the Father and says, welcome home. Here we are. Father, forgive them. Release them. Dismiss it all away from them. Make it 
as if it never happened. Amen. And amen. Father, thank you for your word tonight. For teaching us, Holy Spirit. Showing us, opening our eyes. Father, may we grasp what you're saying to us here. That, that we could even see what we have not seen. It's being said over and over, forgive them, forgive them, forgive them, forgive them. Release, 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 because you don't know what they did. They, they went to the Lord out of deep into our lives, causes us to see things that have made changes the way we see, the way we walk, what we understand. Thank you for your release, for coming into our original plan in the beginning. In Jesus' name. And everybody said,